Monday, 2 p.m. Pacific time. It's January 31st, so if you're listening, hello. Uh, This is Fred McMurray. We're going to teach you how to do nothing all day. No, we're going to teach you how to be successful at franchising on the Pillars of Franchising. I'm in San Luis Obispo, actually Pismo Beach, and my co-host, Ray Piller, is freezing his tail off in the greater Chicagoland area. How you doing, Ray? Cold. <laughs> Come on, it's warmed up today. You're up to what, 16 above? It, it's, a, it's a heat wave. It's only minus 1.4 degrees right now. You know, considering it was 24 degrees below zero this morning, is a definite heat wave. Oh, I've been winning worse than that. <laughs> we both know that there's yeah. got to be multiple people wandering around the Chicago inland area wearing shorts. There always is. <laughs> Every time I go shopping in, into the grocery store, I see people. It, it could be zero degrees with a wind chill of 60 below, and you see some guy walking in in his gym shorts. <laughs> I, I always want to walk up to those people and say, is it that you have no sense of feel, or are you just a moron? <laughs> just trying to show off their legs, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you, it was cold for California. It was in the mid-50s this morning. Brr, and it was rainy. We got an inch of rain last night, and it was cloudy and, and just almost Chicago spring-like. And... About yeah. two, three hours ago, as as we as I got ready for started to get ready for the show, I thought, you know what, Ray's coming through, and 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 you just kind of parted the parted the uh, clouds, the sun's uh, um, glowing off the Pacific, blue skies, and it's probably high sixties or low seventies. So I got to tell you, thanks for sending the the wonderful weather to me. You're welcome. Just keep keep it coming my way now, which it is. Actually, it's supposed to be like on uh, Monday, I think, 60 degrees. I mean, actual degrees, not minus, but <laughs> on the positive side. That'll and last rain. until what, Wednesday? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Then we go back down a little bit. We're going to the teens, I think, which isn't too bad. I mean, that's one of the nice things about severe weather. You know, you, you 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 get yourself through it and you survive it, and you know. So right now, ten degrees. Hey, that's that's great. <laughs> you know, if you've never survived a really severe weather, then you you say, well, ten degrees, that's terrible. But it's not. It's, it's oh no, ten you degrees. Know, you survive minus twenty four. <laughs> yeah. So a friend of mine in Chicago posted a, a graphic on Facebook that said the best thing about uh, winter in Chicago is watching it on TV from California. And I got to tell you, I totally agree. <laughs> so before we have you announce our guest, how much snow did you get? I don't know. It's piled up pretty high. Look, well, over a foot, maybe 15 inches on the ground right now. And I think it's supposed to snow a little later on here. So, uh, but, so you know, the difference is it's the streets are clear and the sidewalks. Oh yeah, clear. that's but, that's know. always and it's so, starting to turn into snurt, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. I think there's so much of it. It's, it's you know it's hard to turn into snurt right now. 
but it will, especially <laughs> after it warms up. Amen to that. So who's our guest today, Ray? We have Ron Bender. And how are you doing, Ron? Doing great, doing great. How are you? Good, good. And where where are you enjoying uh, the weather today? <laughs> you know, I have the uh, the wonderful fortune to be on the Gulf Coast of Florida. Ooh, and absolutely. And we're in the same boat. The rest of the country is a cold front. It's horrible. It's actually down into the fifties. I don't know what we're going to do, but. Oh. Um, you know, we, we've got the Ugg boots, we've got the fireplace going, um, curling up with the dog, that kind of thing. Well, you see how nice that is? <laughs> it's beautiful right there, you know. The only difference <laughs> is the temperature. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. So tell us a bit about yourself, Ron. Who are you? You're what? with Future Focus Franchise Performance Consulting, among other people? <laughs> correct, correct. I've... I've uh, been in the franchise industry for 20 years. I had a uh, retail career before that and uh, was recruited into franchising uh, 20 short years ago uh, for the retail knowledge that I had. It's just um, an absolutely incredible industry. It's uh, amazingly fulfilling helping people uh, change their lifestyle, change their income, take control of their uh, of their lives it's uh it's just a wonderful wonderful thing i have uh, three terrific kids a, a wonderful wife my kids are out of the house so um that means off the payroll life is good <laughs> yeah i got to tell you something if your kids just got out of the house that means they're going to be back in a little while every one of my kids both my boys you know got them out of the house and before you know it they boomeranged right back yeah, that you know that hasn't happened yet, but I do absolutely expect that it might. Yeah, yeah, it, it always does. I never, I never realized that. Somebody told me that a long time ago, and I never thought about it until it happened. Yeah, it's pretty big in this generation, they say. So. Yeah, yeah. I never true. did that to my parents, though. Maybe I still could. Huh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I think I did. Yeah. Well, in my case, I went into the service, and then when I, you know, when I came back, I stayed with them for a couple of months, I think, and then found my own place. But yeah. Well, you know, my oldest I, I did that back. too. He worked for Carnival Cruise Lines for three years, and he would be on a boat for five months at a time, and then come back for six weeks. Ooh, so I guess you know, in some exciting. respects, that worked. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Okay, so, so we're not uh, talking uh, about kids coming back. We're talking about franchising today. So move it back into the franchising realm, Ray. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, I, 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 was, I was looking at uh, uh, Ron on LinkedIn, and uh, I was really impressed with some of the descriptors he has on there. It's this people person, relationship builder, seeing their viewpoint, finding common ground. These are all really, really and kind of rare uh in, in the business world. So uh, you want to tell us, you know, basically uh, how this all came about, right? Sure, sure. Um, that's a that's a, an excellent invitation. I'll take uh, take you up on it. I have what I realize now is a very very big strength because I I understand what people are saying when in some cases others don't. So I've always been able to. Uh, sit between two groups of people and translate from 
these folks' language into the other. Obviously, I'm not talking about German to Italian because I don't speak either of those. But um, you know, sometimes you've got people who only do techno speak or only do the uh, the industry jargon, and I can ex- can understand what they're talking about and explain it in real world English to the other side and help people get onto the same uh, same plane or the same uh, uh, viewpoint. You know, it's always worked well for me in business in, in, you know, from the beginning of my career many years ago, but all the way, especially through in franchising, it gives me the opportunity to, um, to be a, a facilitator. So when I worked, uh, you know, my, my company does consulting with franchisors to help them set up a better franchise sales process. So I would go in and I would learn from the brand what was going on. I would meet their franchisees and find out what they were good at and what they were, um, what they needed to have skill set wise. And then I could communicate that back to the brand and then to communicate that, help them communicate that to franchise candidates. But it, it works every day in real life. It works between my, my kids and my wife or me and my wife or my neighbors when they're God forbid, talking about politics at a party or something like that. It's a really, really wonderful, wonderful strength to have. Most definitely. And you're absolutely right. You know, you, uh, you get two people uh, who try to uh, talk at each other instead of to each other, and they're speaking a different language. And like you say, one is more technical than the other, and, and they're both missing the, the point that each other is trying to make. And it is a gift, and I, and I don't know if that can even be learned, but I think it definitely is a gift that you have where you, you can translate that and say, well, this person really means this, not what you think, you know. Right. And, and I think we're seeing that today, unfortunately, in politics. You know, I, I think a, a lot of what we want, no matter what side of the aisle you sit on, is the same exact thing. It, but we're, we're talking uh, – at each other, not to each other, and uh, uh, we're not understanding each, uh, what the other person really wants. Yep, I believe you're correct. Um, and so then the then, other side. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say the the other side to my strengths. You know, I I call myself a relationship builder and a people person. And the bottom line is, I love people. I love talking to people. I love learning about them. Um, I uh, I don't listen to someone else with my response running, you know, ready to, as soon as they uh, take a breath, I get to talk now and talk about me. I really do love hearing and learning about them. And uh, I, I've had such really interesting life experiences, just as we all have, that I can easily relate to other people, whether it's about, um, you know, sports or geography or travel or business or school or whatever it happens to be. And uh, that makes it fun. And that makes it easier for me to, uh, to do business and to help people. Okay, Absolutely. so do, when you went to college, um, what did, did what you majored in, what you got your degree in, did, do you think that helped you to be more of a people person? <laughs> that's, uh, that's an amazing setup, and, uh, and no, it didn't, because my degree is in marine biology. Hmm. So I can tell you what shrimp eat and good things like that, but um, 
No, as a matter of fact, uh, I I decided when I was very very young that that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to be like Jacques Cousteau. I wanted to work with uh, with oceanography, and I got this great degree in marine biology. And very quickly afterward, I learned that there wasn't enough people contact in that industry. So I stayed in sales, which I had gotten into when I was in uh, end of high school. So ah, uh, so you left the undersea world of Jacques Cousteau. I do. Well, yeah, I although I do, I do get to, do to walk on the beach and uh, point out interesting shells and things like that. So I'm still kind of involved in the industry there. Uh, fair enough. Good. Fair yeah. enough. Well, what, Go ahead, what Ray. Is, uh, yeah, one of the things I want to talk a little bit about is uh, uh, <clears throat> the seven habits. And habit number five is seek first to understand, then to be understood. So... I, I think that plays right into what Ron is talking about, uh, and a lot of us listen. They we hear words, but we're not trying to understand what the other person is saying. Is, is, is that what we're talking about, Ron? When you, when you say you kind of translate? Absolutely, absolutely. In some cases, people just have trouble realizing how the information that they're taking in, um, how it impacts them, or how how it relates to them. Uh, but in other cases, they just they they just don't they don't want to pay attention to how something might help someone else. They are only concerned about themselves, so they blank out things that may not they don't feel have a big impact. And I can help them understand how helping everyone, you know, ri- uh, the, the rising tide lifts all boats, kind of a thing. So uh, it's definitely ah, back to Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> and, and and the and the other part of that is if you're speaking is make sure you're being understood. In other words, a lot of us, like you say, we speak the techno talk about whatever it is, franchising or uh, IT, and we don't realize that our audience may not be fluent in that language. And, Did you say uh, that again, Ray? We failed. I, I said we, we realize that our audience may not be fluent uh, in other words, <laughs> and I fell right into that, didn't I? Yeah, you did. <laughs> mm, score one for Ray. So I'll ask Ron a quick question of how does communication skills affect a franchisee, the franchisee recruiting process? Wow. Well, great question. I think, um, my job when I'm in franchise development, it, my job is to communicate all the information on this specific franchise to the candidate in a manner that they understand and to learn enough about them so that I can make sure that this franchise is a great fit. Lots and lots of examples. There are some people who um, uh, contact me and they say, I, I, I'm interested in, in this franchise that you're talking about. Um, and I'll ask enough questions, and I'll learn that they have very specific um, financial goals. And if the brand that they're looking at does not fulfill those goals, I have to tell them that. That's incredibly important. Uh, I have to set the right expectations. Otherwise, people invest money. They don't get what they need out of it. It's a huge problem for everyone. Um, but it's also about learning about them to find out what strengths they have, what their skill sets are, what their experience levels are, to make sure that they're going to be not only successful but happy in this 
specific franchise. And it's all about communicating. You can't just uh, send somebody a questionnaire and get that kind of information. You have to learn about them. Ray, how'd that Anybody go against what you did? I'm sorry, say it again? No, I was going to say, Ray, when you went through the process, um, how did how what Ron just say fit against what your experience is, I guess what I'm trying to My get My experience? Well, the first time I picked up the FDD, it was sort of like reading uh, – the theory of uh, string theory. <laughs> oh, light reading. You know, uh, which if you're, you're into physics, you realize, like, wow, this is really deep. <laughs> and I think most people are, are that way. And uh, it, you need someone to help translate that. Uh, but, by the way, I, from what I understand, string theory is no longer a viable option. It's something called uh, E8. Anyway, that's um, neither here nor yeah. there. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> that's but, next uh, week's show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. And I think most people are that way. In other words, we're we're, we're not business majors. We're we're uh, not mathematicians or 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 you know whatever. And we we don't really understand what's being said and and uh, the information that's being uh, put forward to us. And uh, it, that's where, of course, the Internet is extremely helpful these days. Uh, even when I started 15 years ago, it it, it helped, uh, uh, but not like it does today because a lot of this information is, is out there. So that, that's why uh, something uh, uh, that Ron is doing here is, is extremely helpful. So, you know, and I was wondering, Ron, why, why would it be amazing uh, – what is an amazing candidate for an experience important to, to well, the franchisor? <laughs> the, there's a couple sides to that question. You know, why a franchisor needs an amazing candidate is the franchisor, um, you know, let's say they want to award 10 franchises this calendar year. That means that they have 10 chances to have very successful businesses start up. If they get five very good franchise candidates and five somewhat weak franchise candidates, that's not a good percentage. That means um, the folks who struggle in a business always need more of the support resources, and a franchisor runs out of support resources when they have too high a percentage of struggling franchisees. So the franchisor needs a good fit, needs someone that is suitable to the, the business model, and, uh, you know, some business models require uh, sales or marketing, and some require uh, consultative uh, sales, and some require business, you know, tremendous amount of business acumen, and some you have to build huge teams and, and manage them through a couple of layers or whatever. So if you bring the wrong person in, that person is not successful and is a drain on the resources that all the other franchisees would love to use. But on the other side, the candidate deserves an amazing experience throughout their research process. We call that the discovery process. So when a candidate comes in, the franchise development rep, the sales rep, is their first impression or, or their biggest impression of the brand. 
most candidates do learn a lot online, uh, which is a great thing. Uh, you know, if they if they learn enough online that they can say, oh, this isn't a good fit for me, then they save everyone's time. Um, if they learn enough that they can ask better questions and, and get to the meat of the business faster, that's even better. Um, but the franchise experience, the, the research experience has to be great. They have to understand um, all the good and the bad, and they have to hear the ugly too. And the more impressive, the more fun, the more educational that whole experience is, the better fit uh, everybody has. And the, and the brand gets the great candidates and the uh, franchise owner gets the right brand and everybody is happy and successful. All right, Ray, you know what time I, it is. I think with, with that, with that uh, Fred, don't you have something that needs to do? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're syncing up. We're syncing up real well. And um, note, folks, next week will be our one-year anniversary that Ray and I have been doing this. Uh, happy anniversary, Ray. Um, happy anniversary to you. It's been a I've been it's been an awesome first year and I think second year is going to be even better now that we know what we're doing um and on that note <laughs> I want to thank the Link Local Network for broadcasting us you can call in with questions at 323-580 that 5755 that's 323-580-5755 and for those of you who are hanging out on the website you can submit your questions to the live chat and now a word from one of our sponsors. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over a hundred franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest-reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. Thank you, Nick. Uh, as a note, we've got a, uh, another great audio clip later after we uh, tortured Ron enough from Holly A. Ford, uh, this week's segment entitled Through the Looking Glass. So, Ron, I'll, I'll start you out with a question that's slightly off the wall. Um, we've talked to franchisees and we've talked to franchisors, and you've had your feet in both worlds. Um, a lot of franchisees, when we talk to them, will say that what they were looking for something that gave them work-life balance, that they wanted to check all the boxes, that they were, and Ray hates this next phrase, uh, getting a business in a box. And yet, becoming a franchisor, you have none of those things. So um, being in, having your feet in both sides of it, how do you see that the uh, the cognitive dissonance, if you will, between a f- successful franchisor and a successful franchisee. Told you it was a wild question. It is. It is cognitive dissonance. Hold on, I'm going to make a note of that one. I'm going to impress my <laughs> wife with that later on. Um, so, <laughs> better um, than quantum mechanics. It is, although my brother has a degree in applied physics, so I can always not understand what he says, too. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the The idea of work-life balance is a buzzword. You know, we've been hearing about that for years. And 
my personal belief is that you as a person, you must set your work-life balance. I can tell you that um, I know uh, through friends and, and luckily not through my own relationship, but uh, I know I'm a, I'm a workaholic. I love what I do and I do it a lot, um, but I know when to turn it off and I know when I need something beyond work. And that's very, very important for people to understand. But, but what one person calls work-life balance might not be what another person would call. So, again, the franchisor has to provide the support whenever the franchisee might need it. So they have maybe you know, multiple people that can su- fulfill that role so that they all try and work on a rotating schedule and they get that work-life balance, that when one person goes on vacation, the others can take up the slack and so forth. The franchisee, on the other hand, doesn't usually have enough bandwidth to do that. So that makes it even more important for the franchisor to communicate to these franchise candidates what a day in the life of a successful franchisee should look like. And that that incredibly important step uh, toward the end of the uh, research process, the validation when a candidate speaks with a bunch of existing franchisees in the brand, well, that's critical. The franchise candidate has got to ask those tough questions. How much do you have to work? How can I take time off? Do you get enough time with your family? And then, you know, dig kind of deep into that to make sure that they get what they need out of the business. Not everybody is a workaholic, and a lot of people need to be able to turn it off at a certain time. I'd like to uh, ask Ron about, I'm going to cite an example of how important it is. And uh, when I was looking for the franchise, I had gone to Discovery Day of several of ones which, that I thought would uh, be what I wanted. And you know, we're talking about automotive type, uh, Mr. Handyman type franchises. And uh, and I, as I went through the Discovery Day, I was not that impressed with uh, uh, my Discovery Day because it was basically, okay, here it is, here's the numbers, it was basically verbatim what it said in the FTD. Right. But when I went to uh, the Molly made one, it was more than just verbatim of what it was more of a, a feeling I got of an inclusiveness. And I think that's extremely important, even though I was not looking for a, a made service to uh, open my business with. And it, 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 it amazed me and uh, my wife, and that uh, this is something that we uh, actually ended up going into because even though it was not necessarily my skill set, but it turned out it really was my skill set because of being a people-type person. And uh, that, I think, had more to do uh, with uh, successfully running the business. And now I, I'm actually, I actually end up with something I really like to do. So I do all the repair work around the facility and, you know, on cars and vacuum cleaners and, and occasionally I'm consulted about, you know, a personnel issue, but, you know, I'm semi-retired from my business right now. So I actually began with the end of mind when I started the business. Uh, Great. and, And that's why I want, you know, kind of elaborate what Ron was talking about, about how important it is that uh, Discovery Day 
they they really need to discover each other, the franchise or and the franchisee, as to who they are, and so that you you will have a successful franchise uh, or e. Yep, it's absolutely very very important, very very important. Uh, one of the things that I think uh, is critical about Discovery Day is you want to show the culture of the company. You want to show their vision and their mission, and, and it's got to be a good fit. It, it, and I think that's something that might be overlooked when people are really paying most of their attention to the financial aspects. But, you know, are you going to like working with these people? Because like it or not, it's it's a partnership, kind of a marriage, kind of a relationship for, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, who knows how long. And if you can't see yourself with a long-term relationship with these folks and feel that they are absolutely the right ones to help you start and build a successful business, then you're, you're definitely getting into the wrong place. And I love the fact that you thought about your exit strategy before you made your final decision. I think that's a, something that most people also don't consider. You know, you don't have to necessarily know what your exit strategy is going to be, but if you want to leave a business as a legacy to one of your children, you, you need to make sure the brand can provide that. Or if you want to sell it at a certain point and, you know, go off to the islands or, or pick up another business opportunity, or if you want to expand into multiple units, you need to make sure that the brands you're looking at will be able to provide what you need. Otherwise, you've you got to go look elsewhere. Yep. You hit the nail right on the head, Ron. That's exactly uh, what I did. And it, it's working. It's working. Great. So... So you, if we want to look at it from the other side of the coin, how does a franchisor know if they have the wrong candidate? Wow. Now, there's a, there are a couple things that really um, seem to uh, uh, pull those red flags up. So um, you might see uh, a candidate who doesn't um, believe that they should be doing things themselves. You know, some people think a franchise, buying a franchise means all you have to do is turn on the lights and open the door and people will come in and throw money at you. Um, or they, throughout the discovery process, they ask questions like, what are you going to do to get my customers for me? What are you going to do to make me more profitable? What are you? And they, and they really seem to put all the um, effort into the franchisor, which isn't necessarily right. Um, other uh, red flags would be if somebody really, really has to struggle to pull together the financial aspects to get into the business, because then they might not have enough to stay in the business, or God forbid, they might not have enough um, other income or resources to provide for their family. And there is nothing, nothing that makes a franchise or lose sleep more than worrying about their franchisees and their families. That's, a, that's just horrific. Um, uh, but again, you know, you might see that when candidates call the franchisees for validation, the franchisees call you back and they say, gee, I don't know about this guy. It doesn't seem like he gets it. You know, he was asking some kind of wacky basic questions. Um, and then, of course, there are people that you can absolutely just tell will not follow the system that they're buying. They're paying for a system, but when they're sitting in the training class, they've got their arms crossed and they're leaning back, and you know they're thinking, oh, I can do it better. I know I would do it differently. All of those things are drains on the franchisor's resources or much worse. Absolutely correct. Absolutely. Okay, so my question is, as we, we've been talking about, 
uh, franchises culture. Um, can you give a couple of examples of franchise cultures that you think are exceptional and why? Oh, wow. This is even more fun than I thought it would be. <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> so I can go back I to talk recently, about quantum mechanics. Uh, you know, we'll get to that maybe next week. As you said. Um, I recently worked with a company called Big Frog Custom T-Shirts. Wonderful, wonderful brand. It's a custom garment decorating. You and I would call it a T-shirt shop. So the way it works, customers come into a retail store, and the uh, franchise employees would help them design a, an image with pictures and text and clip art, and then they would dye that image directly into shirts. And you could walk in and get a custom shirt made in about 20 or 30 minutes for less than $20. Really, really neat brand. And they work with businesses and schools with higher quantities and all that stuff too. But the culture, so the culture at their corporate office, they've got about uh, 16 or so uh, corporate employees. They wear flip-flops, they wear shorts, they wear t-shirts. Even on discovery day, they, are, they don't put on airs, they don't wear suits and ties, they don't, um, it's, it's fun-loving when they uh, when when they see people at this Discovery Day event, it's all they're having a great time. They're learning about each other. They're talking about people. They're not uh, spouting numbers and, and tossing percentage increases and so forth. It's a very very successful brand. Their franchisees are very very happy, but it's so informal and so fun. And when they talk about work life balance, this is great. The work and the life go together. These are people who. Um, on the weekends, because it's mostly a, a, a Monday through Friday business, but on the weekends they might be out doing events, and and they're known in the in the town as, hey, there's the t-shirt guy or there's the t-shirt gal. It's just it's just absolutely breathtaking the way uh, the way they all have so much fun in and around the business. That uh, and makes it a successful business, really. I think. Yep. Uh, yep. But uh, just 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 to see the other side of the coin, though. Have you seen, can you cite an example of uh, the opposite? Why, yes. And let me um, not give a name, but I also Uh, work with a company. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Uh, I worked with a company that was very, very formal, and they were all about being big business people. And they wanted candidates they, they wanted a lot out of their candidates. So first of all, their discovery day was a three-day event, and um, they required a lot of information and commitment from a franchise candidate even before they came to discovery day. And then they thought their optimal candidate was, uh, you know, someone at a at a, basically a C level someone who was a high-powered executive with a big Fortune 500 or even Fortune 100 company. And the issue was that the, the successful franchise e infrastructure was so small that these folks weren't suitable because they didn't do things themselves. I'm not explaining it well, but let me start over. A lot of C-suite executives are used to having a team of people, an IT staff and a marketing staff and a sales staff and whatever else. And when they got into this business themselves, they couldn't afford to have these types of um, staff. So they had to go out and do things themselves. And, and the brand had a lot of trouble because their franchisees were not having success. The uh, franchisor then made some decisions which made things even tougher, and they eliminated field support, and they felt that having just phone support 
24-7 or, or 27 or whatever it was, was much better for the franchisees. The problem then was you didn't have relationships. You didn't understand what your franchisees were going through. It was just too formal and not personal enough. Um, so that's definitely uh, the other side of that coin. Yeah, most definitely. That, uh, one, of, one of the things I, uh, when I talk to other business owners, uh, I tell them when I'm searching for a vendor, and I hope none of my vendors are listening, but I'd rather pay a few dollars more for an item and have the relationship knowing I can pick up the phone and call you know, Joe Smith or whoever and say, look, I'm having a problem with your product. Can you help me out here? Instead yep. of going through a phone tree of some big corporation uh, where I talk to somebody uh, from India and I, I can't even understand what they're saying. You know, so to me, relationships are extremely important. And I think I that's one of the reasons I, I, uh, I chose uh, uh, Molly made. And one we thing that I really love, that this, out, is, right? this, is a, this is a kind of wacky um, thought, but I love suggesting that franchise owners meet with other local franchise owners, you know, uh, take them out to lunch, go, you know, maybe form a little um, a business uh, consulting group or whatever, get together because you don't appreciate your franchisor as much as you will after you've heard about other franchisors, you know, when you, when you've gotten with a good franchisor, you're going to, you're going to feel so wonderful about your decision when you hear other folks either telling you the good or the bad about their franchisors, but also um, you guys can support each other. You know, if, if you've got a Molly made franchise and somebody's got a catering franchise and somebody's got a commercial um, transportation franchise or whatever, all you guys could conceivably give referrals back and forth, use each other, build that local business community and uh, and enjoy yourselves at the same time. Ray, yeah, that, that did you pay him to say that? <laughs> well, I tried, you know, but <laughs> I mean, I know you're going to talk about the co-op because, you know, that's just normal Ray, but I want to know, did you pay him to say that as a setup for you so you could mention the Molly Maid co-op? The co-op. Uh, huh? We have a, in the Chicagoland area, we have a very successful uh, advertising co-op where we share the costs of uh, uh, some of the advertising we do. And uh, not only do we meet on a regular basis uh, quarterly uh, to discuss things, but uh, we also meet socially. And uh, so we, you know, uh, it's a what fantastic a organization. And what a wonderful like thing. Yeah. They know how to party with each other is what he's saying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's important. Yeah. All right. So a wine goes a long way. There you go. Or a lot of wine goes a long way. I've had dinner with you guys <laughs> before, so whoa. Uh, so at this point, I want to remind our listeners that can, assuming that this is today, July or sorry, January thirty first, you can call in and ask questions at three two three five eight zero five seven five five. Or you can ask questions through the website. Uh, and now for a word from our another of our wonderful sponsors. Hey, franchise owners. Does the marketing that corporate provides for your franchise go far enough? Do you struggle to get local clients to call or come through your door? At Mediavine Marketing, we love working with franchises like yours to personalize and localize your marketing efforts 
through social media sites like Facebook or Instagram, in emails to your current and past customers, with Facebook or Google ads, and whiteboard animation videos. Contact Mediavine Marketing today at 805-265-5440 or go to mediavinemarketing.com. That's 805-265-5440. Mediavine Marketing. We know franchises and we want to help yours grow. And we're back, Ray. Yes, we are. <laughs> Sorry, you got to do your next question, or you want me to do one? Uh, I'll take the next one. So, okay. speaking to a franchisor, how do you troubleshoot the sales process? Ooh. Well, there's a lot of ways. Um, I have to tell you that the absolute first thing, if the sales process is suffering, Um, the first thing you have to do is make sure that your operational systems are efficient and effective, right? So um, a franchise can't be sold if the franchisees aren't successful and happy because they will, they will pass that along to to candidates who are doing validation. So make sure that, um, that you're providing what the franchisees need, address any challenges to the model. Uh, you know, if, if the economy is, is doing something or c- competition is doing something or technology is doing something, you have to always be on top of that. Um, then you have to have an organized process. Um, people who are doing research want a process. They want to be able to go from step to step and make sure that they get all the information that they would need to make that great decision. But the people involved are also critical. The, the person who's doing that franchise sales contact is going to be the brand ambassador, the first brand ambassador probably that the candidate um, experiences. So that you have to hire a person who fits your culture and can provide that great information and build relationships with your candidates. A couple of other things um, you nowadays need to use all the tools out there. You need to use social media. You need to use text messaging. You need to use a phone call and emails. You need to provide a lot of information on your website so that candidates can learn about enough about you at the beginning to become interested. Um, and you have to track and analyze everything. You need to know what is your cost per uh, lead? What is your cost per sale? You need to know how long it takes someone to go through the steps in the process. You need to see, um, track the percentages of people who, who contact you initially to then uh, become engaged in the process, to then um, you know, fill out a qualification form, to then uh, come to the Discovery Day event, or then um, actually proceed to signing for a franchise. All of those things are important. And if you're losing candidates at a specific step, then you got to address what's going on with that step. Is it the FDD and maybe it's not written in enough plain English for people to understand it? Or are your um, franchisees not concerned with helping build the brand so they don't make calls back for validation? Um, are your franchise development reps able to get people excited about your business opportunity? All of those things are critical. Absolutely. And, and one of the things I want to mention to the, a person who's seeking a franchisor is uh, one of the things that Ron mentioned is to call other franchises. 
And uh, it's amazing the amount of information that uh, a franchise, uh, I'm talking about another franchisee, is willing to share with you. Uh, I know when I got calls from people, I shared everything that, uh, uh, that every question they ever asked me because I had no, nothing to hide. And uh, that's what helped me, I think, uh, make a decision for, for the franchise I'm involved in right now is doing my due diligence and making sure that this was the right business you know, for me. Fantastic. I think franchisors can learn a lot by surveying their relatively recently signed franchisees, you know, and ask them about the process. What, what about the process did they like or what didn't they like? You know, why did they decide to come aboard? Um, what could we do better? All of those things are great so that you can troubleshoot your own process and build uh, a smarter and more effective system. Yep. So Fred, are you still on the line? I'm here. I've just been waiting. Let you. I'm just been letting oh. you ask questions, so I can take the take, waiting for my chance to take us off the the beaten path. Um, as says, I'm well known to do. So let me ask this: What would you tell young folk about going into business? And, and I'm not talking about people who are, who are at college. I'm talking about kids who are in high school. What would you tell them wow. about going into business? Well, um, I'm a I'm a big believer in entrepreneurship. Um, I volunteer with the Boy Scouts. I teach entrepreneurship and salesmanship and all kind of other things, you know, to kids who are 11, 12 years old and up. And my feeling is, you you learn about people, you learn about business, you figure out what you can what what pe- what's missing. Right? What's missing in the, in the world or in the business community, and then you figure out a way that you can provide it. That's the way to become an entrepreneur. Um, I love that people get a lot of experience doing things on their own. You know, when I see kids out in my neighborhood um, uh, offering landscaping or tree trimming or car washing or all these other great things, we don't do a lot of snow shoveling down here, but if you know, we needed that, that would be great. Um, I think that's a wonderful idea. I support young people who are trying to learn about business. Um, I think you, you know, you learn, you, you study, you do internships, you take classes, you uh, meet business owners in your community and you learn about things and then you'll find the things that you can be passionate about, or you'll find the things that um, aren't available in your community and you can then figure out a way to provide them, but definitely learn, 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 and uh, then keep learning. So, what they can, you you help people get their salesmanship and their archery merit badges? I did, <laughs> and bicycling and all kinds of other things. Yep, bicycling while getting your entrepreneurship merit badge. I like it. Ray, what about you? It's pretty cool. What about me? What? Your question. It's a question. Hey, I just took us into the Boy Scouts oh. of America. Now it's time for you to pull it back. <laughs> I, well, I think. Uh, My thoughts were running. Wow, I wish I I could have had something like that when I was in high school. Uh, I was not involved in in Scouts. uh, uh, But even even so, I went to a vocational high school, and there was nothing on entrepreneurship uh, at the high school. Um, And I, I think there should have been. You know, in retro, in retrospect, there should have been something. Well, it's, it's you know, it's like then 
most schools don't even teach uh, their students how how to reconcile a checkbook either. Correct. And that's real. And that's real life. And uh, so yeah. uh, I think something like that needs to be offered more uh, because. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Ron, but I, I, I believe that this generation, that, uh, generations that are evolving now are going to be probably more involved in entrepreneurship than uh, previous generations. Is, I is absolutely agree. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, you know, another thing about the, these current young generations, they are much more in tune with supporting their local community, right? They want to yes. have a positive impact. And Entrepreneurship is a terrific vehicle for that. Um, I know a lot of colleges nowadays, of course, are teaching entrepreneurship uh, courses. And when I was a kid, the only way I learned about entrepreneurship was I went out and sold uh, Krispy Kreme donuts and I carried the Washington Post and stuff like that. You know, uh, nowadays, I think the tools are moving earlier and earlier, but I don't know if they're in high schools yet. I, I would love for them to be. I think that would be fantastic. Okay, so I'll ask my last question. We, we talked a bit about you um, volunteering with the Boy Scouts, and I know that most franchisees we talk to uh, really believe in giving back to the community, which is actually the fourth pillar, which is uh, right. improving your community. And Ray will tell you that um, he is very much involved with uh, the Miss Molly Foundation, which um, – uh, supports ending domestic violence or increasing domestic violence awareness. Get it right that time, right? <laughs> you got it right. Good so, job. Yep. what other causes are you involved with on a volunteer basis? Wow, I love it. Um, I am with uh, Franchising Gives Back, which is a program that franchisors and franchisees um, on an annual basis get together and do good works in the city where the International Franchise Association convention occurs. I volunteer with the diabetes uh, research program. I ride the diabetes tour to cure. Um, I do the beach cleanups here in uh, my county. And I volunteer with youth. Um, I do uh, youth sports coaching, uh, my uh, my scouting, and uh, whatever else I can do that my wife um, uh, can participate in too. We do a lot of things together in the community. She drives for um, Meals on Wheels, for example, and I help out when I'm in town. It's really a, a blast. Awesome. Ray, we're running out of time, so what's your think, last question for Ron? Well, I think giving back to the community is extremely important, uh, and that is one of the items on the checklist for all of the franchises I looked at to see how they were able to help me give back to the community. And and, uh, and that was a big item uh, on my checklist, uh, you know, getting involved with uh, the, uh, especially the awareness part, because there are many people that I've spoken to who didn't realize that there was help available for domestic violence. They thought they were simply on their own and, and had to suffer through this. Uh, right. That's not the case. Right, And I know that um, franchisors need to realize how important the opportunity to give back is 
for the bulk of franchise candidates. It, it's not necessarily a logical step for a franchisor to recognize, but it is absolutely a very, very popular um, interest and a popular concern out there in franchise candidates. So um, if your franchisor has a, uh, a, a specific vehicle for giving back, whether it's a national program or they help the franchisees uh, work with local programs or both, that's absolutely very, very important to make sure that your candidates learn about and uh, can get passionate about. Okay, so um, I've got one last question. There's another question that came to me, and then Ray can ask his um, normal final question. Um, my last question is, what's your favorite character on Futurama? <laughs> Could it possibly be Bender the Robot? Oh, wow, yes, I was wondering is. about that. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I use that as my... Um, I forget what they call that, my virtual creature on my CRM and in uh, in a couple of my social media uh, platforms. And now that I've gotten that last one out there, go ahead, Ray, what's your out question? Yeah, this is the most important question of the entire day, the entire show, is Ron, how do people get a hold of you? Woohoo! Um, I am uh, pretty easily accessible um, uh, on uh, LinkedIn, Ron Bender. I'm pretty simple to find on Twitter. I am Big Ron underscore BG. I am uh, accessible on my website, futurefocusfranchise.com. Um, and I can give you email address and all that stuff because I love talking to people. It's ronbender7 at gmail.com. Oh, Bender. <laughs> Thanks, Ron, for being on our show and putting up with Ray and I. More I. Hey, you know, I've oh, had yeah. a blast. You guys are a lot of fun, and I think you do a lot of good. You uh, promote franchising, and you promote good franchising, and uh, that's absolutely wonderful. Ooh, that'll make it into the, the upcoming Colors of Franchising show brochure. Thanks, Ron. We'll have to have you back yeah. for that one. Yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. All right. So our Thank next segment, much, we got Holly A. Ford on Through the Looking Glass. Hi, this is Holly Ford from Zarian Firm, trending this week in franchising the pizza industry. This powerful segment of food and beverage is a $40 billion industry in the U.S. It accounts for more than 10% of all food service sales. This trajectory has continued its growth year over year. And did you know that an incredible 93% of Americans consume at least one pizza per month and 40% consume one per week? The fast casual segment has the highest growth rate of all pizza segments with brands such as Forenza, Urban Bricks, and Blaze paving the way. Of the 76,000 76, pizzerias in the U.S., the average unit sales exceed 600,000 annually. Zarian recommends that a pizza franchise with a seasoned brand can be an excellent franchise investment. For more information on finding the perfect pizzeria with strong profits, replicability, and high growth potential, contact me at 855-733-1337 or holly at zarianfirm.com. Now for today's two-minute topic, Through the Looking Glass, the five factors to investigate in a franchise resale. But I nearly forgot, said Alice. You must close your eyes, otherwise you won't see anything. 
Lewis Carroll. In investigating a franchise, what you don't see is often as important as what you do see. We see the business results rather transparently, but other equally pivotal optics, such as the industry, the market, the uniqueness of the product, and the forecasted future need to be unshrouded when investigating a franchise resale. These factors can also be employed when analyzing any business opportunity, including non-franchise businesses and new franchises as well. So business results, industry advantage, market position, product differentiation, and forecast. The first factor we're going to look at today, of course, is business results. My clients are exposed to an enormous amount of data when analyzing the financials of a business, but we'll focus on five areas predominantly the value and condition of the assets, the trajectory of growth or decline of the business, gross profits, net profits, and, of course, the cash on hand for operations and continued growth. And although business results are the primary focus of investigation, omitting the next four optics can precipitate a bad business decision or can alternatively cause you to miss a powerful wealth-building investment. For example, when we look at the next factor, industry advantage, we focus on the historical data of the industry as well as the projected growth. I have my clients use various tools for this, including IBIS, World News, and Reports, so there's no guesswork. Also here, we will delve into the pros and cons of the industry with the litmus test of the client's interests guiding the analysis. Next is market position. The optics here go beyond marketing campaign results or Google reviews. The first part of this analysis is SWOT, a business acronym for Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities, and Threats. From there, we add to this such factors as analyzing market variance, target demographics and their consumer habits, and the data-driven documented potential for dominance and growth. This leads us nicely into product differentiation, including, of course, the uniqueness of one's services in a service-based business. As I discussed on our December 13th segment on unique selling propositions, product differentiation is a key indicator that the business has what it takes to surmount the competition. This benefit can yield higher price points, larger market shares, sustainability, and the authority to create the buyer's needs. The final factor we investigate may in fact be as equally critical as the business results, and that is the forecast. We will create trending lines for revenue growth as well as detailed break-even analysis if the business is new. But also, we'll look deeper, creating a net profitability forecast that really focuses on percentages rather than raw numbers to ensure the accuracy of it. And finally, in this area, we'll interview the owners to seek and find out areas of potential growth that may not have been actualized by the current owners. So the next time you want to gaze through the looking glass and analyze a business opportunity, contact me at zarianfirm.com or businesswealth at zarianfirm.com. Next week's two-minute topic is entitled, Hey, Hey, You, You, Get Off of My Cloud, Protected Territories and Why They Matter. And finally today, our highlighted franchise of the week is AllPro. AllPro is in the Fab Four franchise industries and is an exceptional service brand. I had the distinct pleasure of enjoying the company of the founder on a business excursion to Cuba last week. This brand is a powerful brand that reaps all the rewards of the high margins of the service industry, but yet is an executive ownership business model. 
AllPro is a cleaning and facility services model for management professionals. This is a low-cost investment with low overhead, multiple streams of revenue, and again, very high margins. If you would like to learn more about AllPro or another wealth-creating brand in the Fab Four service industry, connect with me on LinkedIn or email me at holly at zarianfirm.com. If you have any questions about this topic or any other question regarding franchising, email me at holly at zarianfirm.com and we can cover it in a future episode. This is Holly Ford of Zarian Firm on Pillars of Franchising saying, see you next week, same bat time, same bat channel. firm International Business Brokers is truly unique in the business retail space. While the average business broker uses one standard multiplier across all businesses and industries to value a business, Zarian Firm is the only business brokerage that looks at the five factors of distinction in each individual business. This gives our sellers a true value and our buyers a fair price. Zarian offers sellers the choice of three marketing packages based on how quickly they want to sell their business but all of our businesses sell 33% faster than the industry norm. Zarian Firm International Business Brokers connects premium investors with validated business opportunities. 